the pound pound Yes, sir, some Christmas music to get us in the mood for this holiday season. Welcome to the Man on Second podcast on Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Joe Frasaro with Dave D'Agostino, our co-host and producer. As always, our mission here on the channel is to raise the baseball IQs of our audience. We will do so today in a very special podcast for me personally because uh, I'm going to learn something new because I'm interviewing my son today, Arizona Diamondbacks scout Jacob Frasaro. Jacob will be joining us today. He's home for the holidays, so this is a very special treat. It's the first time Jacob is going to be on the show. But before we bring Jacob in, uh, let's get Dave to jump in with some announcements. Yeah, I'll keep the preamble quick because I want to get to this family affair. I've heard too much about Jacob. I've got to to hear him live and in person. So just want to thank our fans, uh, our supporters, our subscribers. We challenge you to get to 60,000 subscribers by Christmas. You did it this past weekend. So, of course, like a former coach, I pushed it to 61. You did that again. So, again, to be uh, in the Christmas spirit, I said, let's get to 62. So we're at 61.4 right now. Uh, Got to get 600 new listeners by the end of the new year. So challenge you guys to get that. Uh, also want to thank Blackout Coffee. Uh, be awake, not woke is their slogan. Coffee's going to be on Man on Second through the year. And I heard, rumor has it, coffee's going to be on Joe through 2024. So Joe, your code for the audience is what? Um, all caps, Joe, J-O-E-F, 20. The number 2020. Use so, that at checkout and you'll see F-2-0. Joe's. Two zero. So J O E F caps 20. Um, if you see Joe's uh, promotion out there, click it. It'll go right to checkout. You'll get 20% off on him. If not, use the code manually. And then um, his book's been flying off the shelf since we've been pumping him. Ted Kubiak, our very first guest on the network, has two great books out there Old School and How to Field a Ground Ball. Uh, they should be on every baseball lover's shelf. If you have a baseball lover in your family, great stocking stuffer for them. Uh, three-time world champion shortstop for the Oakland A's. Again, our very first guest on the show, and he listens to every single show. So he's going to email me after the show telling me to stop pumping his book. He can't keep him on the shelves, but too bad. We're going to run it up through Christmas. So Merry Christmas to you, Ted. And guys, uh, Joe, welcome back to your show. And Jacob, we're so glad to have you. Yeah, th- thanks a lot, Dave. And from what I understand, Dave, this is our last show of the uh of 2023, then we're going to go on. Yep. Our, our programming notes, we will be recording through tomorrow. So today's Thursday recording on Thursday. We have two more shows tomorrow and then we'll be off for two weeks and we'll, we'll resume on January 8th. So, but we will run old shows through the holiday and, uh, you know, pay attention for those. We've got some fan stuff out there to get the 10 most popular shows. We'll put them back out there and let the fans catch up because we're in episode 397 today. So they're, they're even our most loyal fans are behind a little bit. We're pumping them out quick. Yeah, and and this is a special one. You know, obviously for the last show of the year, uh, the holidays naturally are time for family. My son's home for the holidays, so we're. I just felt it was fitting to kind of close it out with my son Jacob. So, quick background on Jacob. Um, Jacob graduated from St. Thomas University. He graduated day summa cum laude in his class. Um, St. Thomas University is right here in South Florida in Miami Gardens. Um, you know, everybody has a story of how they got into the, into the sport. 
Jacob Story, I rank up there with pretty much anyone because you talk about an outlier. He got hired six, about six months after graduating. He got hired by the Diamondbacks. He basically got his dream job six months out of college at age 23. At the time, he was the youngest full-time professional scout in the sport of all 30 teams. And Jacob was the youngest. Now he is 28 years old. He's uh, completed year five with Arizona. We'll be going into year six, and what a fitting way to end year five. The Diamondbacks make it to the World Series, fall short of the whole goal of winning the World Series, but um, here's a kid now being sizing up National League pennant ring, and um, so couldn't be prouder of him as a father, um, but I think a lot of our young listeners and those who want to get into the sport should be taking notes. Dave, I know that your boys and, and girls, they do that. They, they pay attention. But if you want to figure out a path to, to create value for yourself, today's guest will do so. Uh, Jacob, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Or, or Excuse me. Thank you for having me. Um, happy holidays to everyone. I know it's uh, close to Festivus, so uh, happy to air out some grievances I have uh, <laughs> uh, against you. But oh, uh, no, I, <laughs> I, you know, hopeful that you know, compared to the other great guests you guys get, uh, obviously don't have the years of experience and uh, wealth of knowledge in that regard, but hoping that you know, people could at least learn something in, in terms of a, a few values I feel of, uh, A, breaking into any industry at a young age and, uh, you know, kind of just what it takes. So uh, excited to be here. Yeah, Jacob, obviously the sport was in you at a very young age, like six, seven years old. I mean, just for the quick background, you know, the blessing of being, you know, raised in South Florida, uh, so many former players um, offer instruction. Jacob has been, you know, Bruce Avon, who uh, was our guest about a year ago this time at American Heritage, played pro ball with the Marlins and others. It was Jacob's hitting coach. Jacob received fielding instructions from the late, great Tony Fernandez. Um, uh, you know, Joseus Manzanillo, who pitched in the big leagues, worked with Jacob as pitching as, a, you know, was one of his pitching coaches. Joel Bradley, who was a scout in, with the big leagues, he was uh, one of Jacob's pitching coaches at one time. So the instruction was there at a very young age. Uh, he basically carried it all the way through high school. But once his career stopped as a player, Jacob, tell people how you kind of transitioned your mind from once your playing days were over that you wanted to be in baseball as a scout and then to you know we're going to amaze the audience with your story because what you did for one year has been unprecedented but you know kind of how did that seed planted in you to pursue a career in in pro baseball yeah no well I first you know obviously no shock it's been addressed here and Last name should give it away on its own anyway. But, um, you know, as your son grew up around the game, uh, which is a huge help in terms of just really having fun of it, you know, and, and season ticket holder uh, all the way throughout, played the game through high school. Um, you know, just being at the field, around the field, going to Jupiter all those years growing up, seeing backfield work, watching Perry Hill. Um you know, do defensive instruction, work in PFPs with, you know, the pitchers, you know, all that just slowly developed my brain. And, um, you know, it was, it was more than just a passion for me. Uh, like every kid, I felt like, you know, I had a chance to be a big leaguer. Um, obviously not everyone gets to have a taste of that. And, um, you know, from 
high school on. So my freshman year of high school, there was one teacher who had a really good assignment. It was kind of a career class and it was based off, um, you know, pick a profession you would like to go into. Uh, and ironically enough, uh, one of your guests from a previous show, Manny Cologne, um, I had asked you and, and you felt like Manny would be a good contact for me to at least reach out to of career paths in the sport. And so from the time I was 14 on, I knew about scouting and player development and, you know, everyone else, you know, there, there's no knock on them. And your dream was, um, you know, to be a sports writer, but with you being so close to the sport and seeing all these inside paths, like mine never was branching toward or gravitating toward that type of uh, part of the industry of, of either that or a sports writer or broadcaster. It was, I feel I could be working in the sport itself uh, with the, with a direct impact. Um, and so, you know, I interviewed Manny for that class assignment and it resonated with me. Um, come the end of high school, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to walk on at a D3. I was transitioned as a five foot nine, about 120 pound uh, player from second base to pitcher for whatever reason in high school. That just wasn't going to work out for me. Um, my arm nearly was falling off. And, you know, I was like, there's no shot or, or sense in going up to Vermont. And, you know, I was like, all right, let's focus on just staying home and, you know, pursuing an actual career path of, again, scouting. And that was where I really gravitated toward anyway. Um, have a ton of respect for people in player development, but that's just not something that um, ever really took a direct impact on me. I feel like if I would have played and gotten into college and pro ball, maybe there's a different path there, but I've always have enjoyed evaluating. Um, and so, you know, during the couple years at Broward College, uh, junior college, before transferring over to St. Thomas, um, you know, it was always in the back of my mind. Uh, it wasn't until I got to St. Thomas that I started to realize, oh, I'm about to graduate. I'm about to be into the real world. What am I going to do? It was around that time I kind of don't even remember how I stumbled upon it, but there was a kid at the University of Alabama who had created this little website, uh, which ended up becoming a, a small company uh, called the Coyote Baseball Scouting Network. And th their goal was essentially to take on a bunch of college um, students and, you know, got kids from all over the country. And I was like, all right, I'll email this guy. And essentially what it was, was a, a networking group of all of us who would just go out and scout whatever was local to us. Most of it was a local college. I have the luxury of being around South Florida and having major universities and high school. So a ton of prospects here. Um, that kind of was my first taste of it. I went to a perfect game, uh, the Woodbat tournament up in Jupiter uh, in 2017. At the end of that, I remember seeing Will Banfield, guys like Ryan Bliss, who we had with the Diamondbacks ended up trading him uh, in part of the, as part of the Paul Seawald deal to Seattle um, drew Rom kids like that uh, who were at that showcase that year wrote a couple of reports uh, tried to get an interview at the winter meetings with a couple of teams for video uh, essentially one easy path to try to get in. is just the foot in the door of getting a video internship which now are pretty much full-time jobs with some clubs, especially the Diamondbacks. We, we have a really good video program. Um, we retain a lot of our guys and everything else. Um, so I figured, okay, I'll try to pursue that. Uh, wrote up some reports, 
Um, like I had said, I, I sent those out to some teams and somehow got a few interviews and I'm like, oh, wow, this is easy. You know, we're going to the winter meetings. I have three, four interviews lined up. Unfortunately, I didn't get anything. Um, I still had a couple classes to take at St. Thomas before graduating. But my hope, and this was back when short season was a, was still a thing, I was hoping, okay, great. Like, I'll graduate and be able to take a summer internship and finish a year, and there's my foot in the door. Well, it didn't happen. And got shut down, shut out and shut down by, you know, some of the teams I had interviewed with and always have been competitive. It lit a fire under me and made me mad. And so I went into the next year thinking, okay, how am I going to get better at this? For one, I know I need to graduate. That's goal number one. But by the end of this year at the winter meetings, I am going to land a position somehow. Um, Went into that next year, still with the Collegiate Baseball Network, um, but realized a month in, I'm like, you know what? I kind of want control of what I want to do and saw the model that the guy I was working with there you know, put together and was like, I could replicate something like this. So during January of, of 2018, now I put together a website with a kid I was at uh, college with. And I was like, okay, the, the goal of this website was to profile and showcase, essentially put a portfolio together is the word I was looking for. Um, all my skills of a scouting reports on players, blog pieces on players, and shooting video. I created a YouTube channel, had all that linked up there. So it hit a trifecta of showing ability to blog, showing ability to put scouting reports together, and showing off video skills of getting behind the point shots of either pitchers or hitters, and then getting side profiles, open open face, open side, whatever you want to call it. And thought, okay, this will be great because the goal is to get a video internship. At the time, I'm still taking six classes at St. Thomas, lined up to graduate in May. So things just kind of started to gain momentum and steam. And before you know it, I was at games every single day. Um, I started out on the amateur side doing all the local high school and college kids. Um, And 2018 was a really special class. Um, I'll eventually get to some of the big profile names who either were from a South Florida school or ended up having a a college team travel down to play here. So very fortunate in that regard, but ended up going to 72 games or 73 in like 70 days, all while going to school, uh, maintained my grades, ended up graduating with a a 3.9 GPA, um, which was a pretty remarkable feat for me in terms of you know, I just didn't fully apply myself in high school when it came to uh, the education aspect. Uh, got lazy like every kid probably does. Doesn't mean I was stupid. I just didn't put in the effort because, you know, it's like, all right, I'm at baseball practice or whatnot. So that was really important to me as well. But during that process, I was seeing all these players, all these, uh, you know, high level prospects who included on that side, uh, Shane McClanahan, Logan Gilbert. Uh, Tristan Casas, um, Jonathan India, Brady Singer, Jackson Coar, all of these kids, and Daniel Lynch. Daniel Lynch was one who came down. Uh, he was at yeah. Virginia. He played Miami. Uh, Cameron Meisner, um, who I don't believe has gotten a taste of the big leagues yet, but is in the minors. You know, it, 
just a ton of players. So I ended up seeing about 120 uh, amateur prospects. Uh, at this point, I'm graduating St. Thomas uh, from St. Thomas. Um, I have a inter- uh, internship lined up with Perfect Game over in Fort Myers. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to be able to go to the the main showcase there in Tampa. At the time, it was Tampa. Now I believe they have it at Chase Field in Phoenix. Um, and and I was really excited for that. So I, I go over to Fort Myers and you know just watching the first week and. They're having me watch a bunch of 14-year-olds, which there's nothing wrong with at all. Um, you know, the, the beauty of what Perfect Game does is they ex- they create a lot of exposure for young players for any opportunity. And it gives, even if it's just a placebo effect, a, a glimmer of hope for families of, hey, we're going to we're gonna be something. You know, I, I'm going to make it, which is great. That's the one great benefit of Perfect Game. And you get to line up all great talent. And some of these kids... I remembered the names and they've been drafted since. But at the time I was just coming off seeing high level prospects who were first rounders. It didn't sit well with me. And, you know, it, it just wasn't making me excited to wake up every morning. So I, I was there for about a month, decided, you know what, like I'm going to eventually get back. But while I was there, um, you know, I would go to GCL games uh, with the Fort Myers, um, area has has both the twins and the red Sox, and so i would go to a lot of gcl games and then as well the fort myers miracle were there now that i believe they're the mighty muscles and that's the single a affiliate of the twins so i was still seeing uh some pro level at that point and that's when it really you know started gears turning in my head to be like okay i could go back home put together a schedule do this and just drive up to jupiter every day which is about 70 miles from my house and double up doing GCL Florida state league. See essentially. And I ended up doing so every single, excuse me, affiliate from the a level, a ball level uh, at Palm beach, you know, Roger Dean stadium. So I'm like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So I pack my car up, drive back home. Uh, Ended up that year with, I believe eight or nine GCL teams I saw and all 12 Florida state league um, affiliates at that time. Now I believe it's 10. If I'm not mistaken, a couple of teams have moved out, but I was really proud of that. And during that point, I was able to see Alex Kirloff, Royce Lewis, all these big time prospects and yeah, don't have the names off the top of my head, but there are some, Oh, well actually one of them, Prolander Baroa was a kid with the uh, twins at the time. He's been traded multiple times. He made his big league debut with the Mariners this year. So long story short is essentially I was able to see 500 players total between the amateur and, and pro levels during that process as well. It was when I was over in Fort Myers, uh, I met a scout with the diamondbacks named Tucker Blair and was able to network with him and keep in touch. This is something that I did along the way with everyone. Um, not necessarily just be like, Hey, I want a job. It was, you know, how could I get better? What are you looking for? Et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I wanted to look the part. I'm someone who likes t-shirts and basketball shorts or a hoodie. I do not like dressing up at all. Um, but I I made my mom drive me over to the mall and I, you know, I believe I had a kickback check for student loans for about a thousand dollars. I, 
instead of paying off my loans, I used that to buy wardrobes. So I bought all the, you know, Nike polos and golf pants and everything. I wanted to look the part, you know, and uh, represent myself well. And so, you know, that, that helped me in the networking process. And you'd meet all these scouts. Some of them uh, were, were, you know, scouts who my dad knew. So that was a easy in of like, hey, I'm trying to get into the game. Like, can, can you help out? How do you write a scouting report, et cetera? Um, and so just got a bunch of tips along the way. Well, through Tucker, I was able to network and send him my portfolio. I put together a resume of those 500 reports on a Dropbox, all organized, had the amateur side, high school reports, college reports. Then I went over and had on the pro side, each every, each level and affiliate in its own category, all reports from those teams in there and put together a couple of pref lists as well. So I tried to get every single aspect of what pro scouts or amateur scouts or scouts in general do on the job. And I was doing this at 23, had turned in that summer and June birthday. So went from 22 to 23. Um, and along the way as well, one instrumental piece with not only Manny Cologne, but his brother, Kelvin, who's an exceptional scout. He's now with the Dodgers, but he was with the Orioles at the time. He had made me his bird dog. And so that helped me tremendously in college, getting into stadiums for, excuse me, for free. And on the pro side, would be able to show that to the ticket people and get comped, you know, ticket for the game, which was huge. And I owe a lot to Kelvin. He helped me a lot along the way. Um, he had told me as well about the whole five to seven day window that you look to get reports in. So I really pushed myself to write reports and get them in within that window because I wanted to show teams that I could do the job. Um, very long winded, but essentially through that and through networking with Tucker, he'd passed my name along to my now boss, Jason Parks. Um, one thing that resonated with them is both of them uh, came from Baseball Prospectus. Jason, when I believe Kevin Goldstein left, had taken over, and he was one of the first to uh, really put Baseball Prospectus on the map in terms of uh, putting uh, boots on the ground. And so he would have his writers, his bloggers, uh, go out and scout at the field instead of just making calls from the office. And so both of them essentially saw a lot of themselves in me, um, ended up getting an interview and waited a few months, but thankfully a position opened up and uh, was able to turn what was originally a path of trying to get a video internship job at, into a full-time pro scouting job with the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, signed in the winter meetings in eighteen. And my first year was 2019. <laughs> Jacob, we're going to jump in because you've been going strong for, for almost 20 minutes, given your background. But great, great stuff and very captivating. Uh, Dave, your thoughts? Well, I, I hope the, the young audience is listening out there because Jacob, as you know, are grassroots all the way to MLB front offices, 74 countries. So if you weren't global before, you are now. But the young audience, I hope you're listening to key themes and what he's saying. And, and Jacob, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There were no shortcuts that you were looking for in your mind. Um, there was no entitlement in terms of your approach. And you're an old soul in a young, in a young man's body. So you've got that sense of reverence. I mean, I've heard you thank and make reference to at least a half dozen people along the way, including your family. So I, I just hope our young audience is grabbing onto that. 
want to ask you a question about the, and, and I, I marvel at the connects, Joe, that, that the organic connects that I find out through our guests that I've had through a lifetime. I have an affiliation with the Collegiate Baseball Scouting Network. Interesting. Yep. And no, nothing direct, but um, because I made a life for myself outside of coaching, I learned the business, uh, the, the sports business, so the basketball and baseball business. Then I learned the business of those sports. And if I'm wrong, again, correct me, Volman, was that the young man's name who created that? It, uh, it was Justin Volman. Yep, Justin Volman. Um, someone at the University of Alabama, when he, he won the entrepreneurship to, to, to make this, uh, turn this into fruition early on, told him to reach out to me uh, because I had gone from a coaching career to a, uh, a life learning to build businesses around sports and uh, had some, some great conversations with him and learned a lot about the network. And I thought from a model standpoint, it had an opportunity to at, le- at the very least give uh, people a, an opportunity to develop the skill set to, to potentially get into baseball. So I, I, uh, I smiled when you said that. I was like, how do I know that? But uh, I want you to talk about a little bit about what you do do now, if you don't mind. And then two part question, because I know your dad's not going to ask this because he's He's, uh, he's similar to you. Apples don't fall too far from trees. Not going to brag on himself. But I want you to talk also about your family because when you when you have success in an area, it's generally because there's a kind of a, a synergy between what how you were brought up and the culture that you stepped into, which is the Diamondbacks now. So first, tell a little bit about what you do uh, specifically and then uh, for the Diamondbacks. And second, give us that transition between family values and Diamondback culture. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, so right now uh, I am a four-org scout with the D-backs. Uh, what that means is I am responsible for four organizations uh, covering uh, levels from a AA all the way down to complex. Um, and then I will be given uh, some special assignment type stuff, um, which is just fancy words of saying, um, hey, we're sending you over here. Um, nothing spectacular. It sounds way better than that. In terms of that, there there are uh, scouts who are special assignment scouts. Um, that is not what I do. I'm simply an org scout who gets uh, thrown some target runs. Um, I had this year Seattle, Kansas City, Milwaukee, and the Texas Rangers. Um, I am responsible for going to, uh, like I said, double A down. So each of those affiliates for those teams uh, traditionally teams like to, uh, get the upper levels done out of the way first, um, primarily because of the fact that, uh, April and into early May is cold weather. Um, young Latins, especially in the lower levels, um, don't tend to perform greatly, um, in those environments. Uh, A lot of them have never played, uh, in that type of weather before. Uh, and the baseball, baseball is really sloppily played, during the first month or two of the season, it's not until the summer months where, you know, you're really getting the cleanest of performance. So uh, traditionally teams like to do triple A, double A first. So that's uh, I'll start there and uh, just gradually see every single one of those affiliates, uh, hopefully by the trade deadline. And if not, like this year, I had gotten everything but my complex and uh, one low level affiliate for one of my teams uh, done um and then had a, a fun little uh, uh trade deadline uh target run during July um I'm responsible for writing up every single player on the roster 
uh, like I said in that uh, very long-winded speech earlier, um, it, it's a five to seven day window in which you try to get these reports in. Uh, typically, I like to write my reports uh, the next day. I'll start with pitchers. Eventually, by the time the week's over, gradually uh, work my way into the position players. And, um, you know, I, to answer your second question uh, in terms of how family really has helped that, um, I really like to say that I got my writing ability from my mom, not my dad. Uh, my mom is an exceptional uh, AP reporter and now uh, chief news correspondent, I believe, in Miami. Um, and she really was instrumental in my ability to um, really just uh, easier. Here's one one perfect example of it. I'm a better writer than I am speaker. Uh, she really gets me to edit my stuff and can be condensed and concise with my words um, and that really helps out during that whole five to seven day window because I, this year, thankfully was able to go the entire season without being behind on my reports. And I wrote over 600, um, just due to the, uh, amount of teams that I had. And, uh, that's, that's something I got from her. Um, my dad was always at games, um, you know, working. So I went to watch games when I was a kid with my mom and sister and then just eventually my mom. And that's where the fun was like everyone else like, oh, grew up watching games with my dad. Like it was only after the games were over. I'd wait up late at night. He'd come home and we'd discuss or watch, you know, West Coast once MLB Network became a thing. We'd watch the Dodgers or whatever and just discuss the game that way. But, um, you know, just the ability to have two professional writers. Um, as parents, it, it's really unique. Um, I felt like I was well cultured in terms of, you know, you're just gaining a bunch of different experiences through, you know, seeing all types of players in sports who my dad was covering. And then on the flip side, my mom covering major news stories in the state of Florida for 20 years, 20 plus years. It was a unique, interesting upbringing. Yeah, if I could jump in, uh, Jacob, talk about the importance of being able to communicate, whether it's verbally or the written word, because I think that says I deal a lot with with your generation and the younger kids. They they're on devices so much they tend to, you know, I don't even know if they talk much anymore, you know, um, just the importance because your ability to write reports is a real separator from you for you. And, and I certainly, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Talk about that. Just the importance of a communication and to be able to articulate your points and, and present your arguments. I, I certainly like to consider that my only forte as of now. I mean, I am by no means um, an expert evaluator. Um, I mean, I'm only entering year six, so I have a long ways to go when it comes to being able to provide value of experience. And I'm just now getting to the point where, um, in 2018 included, where I'm having players who are at the big league level. Um, and even that, these guys at the big league level aren't at that three-year, three, three, year, three to five-year window of you know succeeding or failing. So you don't really know how well your evaluation skills are until you get to that point as an evaluator. So for me, I feel my separator is the ability to write a report 
and have a clear message in that for not only my scouting director to see, but for Mike Hazen and our AGMs, when they're reading a report, they know what my opinion is of that player, whether I'm right or wrong. And, you know, I feel like in 2018, how I separated myself was not only was I going out to these games, I had all the reports out there. I was not afraid to give my opinion. I had conviction behind my opinion, um, which I definitely think people could grow into having more conviction, but I feel like people are kind of born with a little bit of ability to evaluate or, you know, kind of just be strong in their opinion. Um, for whatever reason, I, that's just my opinion on it. I don't feel like um, I'm right or wrong on that. It's just how I feel. But other people weren't willing, I guess, to either go out there and, and be wrong or, you know, a lot of people too, like that's the one thing that I'll say about some of those Harvard grads, you know, they may be able to speak well and everything else when you see them in person. But if your resume is just boring and saying, oh, I have, you know, this, that, and the other, when it comes to scholastics and um, I'm a computer brain, it's like, well, how does that separate yourself on a resume? And for me, I wanted to make sure that my resume, and even still, like I said, with my reports today, I want to separate myself by showing them exactly what I think. And um, I like to think of myself as an old soul in that sense of I do have a strong opinion and I won't be afraid to tell you it. Um, and then when it comes to the professional landscape of it, just having the respect for uh, those who have been there doing it longer than you, because that's how you learn. You know, I want to, I want to kind of give a plug to St. Thomas university because I think it ultimately proved to be the ideal school for you. And, you know, you noted Manny Cologne, who we had on before Manny's with the, uh, with the Oakland A's now, long time with the Marlins, uh, his brother Kelvin, they are St. Thomas alums. Alavila, the former GM of the Tigers, St. Thomas alum. Uh, Jim Henry, uh, formerly uh, GM with the Cubs, went to St. Thomas. Just kind of give a little plug in what that school, given you the, the flexibility and the freedom to pursue when, when you're building your website and, and everything and work with you that you could graduate with high honors and still build that portfolio website, which for our listeners, Jacob was being modest. He, he basically with no one even knowing he, who he was within weeks had a couple of thousand Instagram followers. He was just like catching fire. People were like, who is this kid? And what is going on right here? Cause that was a very unique time where there was video shot better than the, uh, the perfect games and everything. Jacob's videos were better than everyone. And his, so quite frankly, the summaries were too. And that's me not just bragging as a dad, but laying out the facts because he wouldn't have been hired right out of school if it wasn't. So just kind of give a little plug to St. Thomas. No, absolutely. Um, it is a hidden gem. It's in the middle of Miami Gardens. Um, not particularly the greatest area, but once you are inside this campus, it's beautiful. And they now, uh, I still haven't seen it in person, but they have the new, I believe it's called the Gus Machado, uh, business school. Um, it, it's phenomenal. They've added a football program since I've been there, but this is a rich history in all sports. Miami dolphins had trained there for so many years. The Baltimore Orioles, I believe had spring training there. 
Um, the baseball ties at one point, we had three GMs in major sports between Alavila, um, Andy Ellsberg, and I do not know how to pronounce his name, but, um, I think it's Gettleman, uh, who was with the, uh, Carolina Panthers at one point. Um, and you know, it, it, they, they do a great job with their sports administration program. It's one of the earliest in the country. Um, I had great instructors from Bob Epling to Ted Abernathy, um, the sports administrator, excuse me, the sports information department at that point had Phil DeMontmollen. Um, he was an adjunct professor for me that senior year. And, uh, to your point of them allowing me to be able to excel, I remember going up to see, um, a, a prospect pitcher, um, uh, Carter Stewart, I believe was the name, uh, hoping that I pronounced it right uh, or got it right. Uh, he ended up, uh, the Braves took him. He had a thumb injury, I believe, and he ended up not signing. The next year, the biggest shock was he for- went the draft or, or decided to forego the draft and um, ended up signing in Japan. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what's happened to his uh, career. I don't think he's ever really hit it off, but he was one of those like, perfect example of those high spin rate guys where that was his separator, but you know, just never clicked for him. Um, but I drove up on exam day, uh, to go see him pitch up in, uh, about two hours North from, you know, Fort Lauderdale, um, forgetting the city name, but it was around that like Stewart area. Um, and Phil DeMontmollen let me take the exam online which was huge. And so I remember getting there early, doing that exam in the parking lot, and then going and scouting a game right after that. Um, St. Thomas is absolutely phenomenal. Any young person looking to get into sports, uh, definitely at least give it a look. And uh, like I said, just rich history with a lot of people either having coaching ties or uh, alums of that university. Yeah, that, that Carter Stewart story is always one of my favorites because Basically, they they said the exam is this day, and Jacob's like, I can't do it. I got to see Carter Stewart because at the time, I think Carter Stewart was like the last really high end prospect that you had not seen in the state. Because you know, with pitching, uh, you never know. The guy may get scratched. He may not pitch that day. You may only have a window here. He might get shut down, and and that's the the kind of uh, you know sacrifices that Jacob made and kind of the give and take. And why did St. Thomas's professors do that? Well, you know, I remember when Jacob graduated, uh, we went upstairs, my wife and I, uh, we went up and met met the, uh, the professors and they said, you know, we had been talking about the Alavilas and, and, and those people to the next generation. We're going to be talking about Jacob. So, you know, they saw it in Jacob as well. Dave, jump in. How'd you do on that test, Jacob? Oh, I aced it. I was able to get straight A's with those six classes, which was a shock to me, but I was thankful. <laughs> no. What, uh, and, you know, we, we always give a little bit of time for the guests too. What is it that you'd want to share? Uh, any message out there to, to young kids? Uh, you know, we're obviously seeing the dynamic between, we're seeing it firsthand and, and kind of talking about it, you know, third person a little bit with the dynamic you have with your parents. You know, I get asked all the time, have kids changed nowadays? And I'm sorry, I, I'm not putting you in the kid category, even though I'm 50. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're a young man. And, um, but what, what kind of message would you want out there to kids that are looking to get into baseball? You know, not everybody's going to make it to the big leagues or even the minor leagues, or even college, 
but what message would you give to them in terms of work ethic or perseverance or relationship with your parents, relationship with your coaches, whatever, whichever way you want to take it. Um, give a message to our kids out there. For me, the number one aspect of any profession, we're lucky enough to be able to have a family that has, for my existence, all but I believe six, seven years of my life, uh, baseball has provided a roof over my head. Um, that very fortunate for sports to you know, provide for me in that regard. But this message in terms of just anyone could take advantage of networking is key. And my professors, essentially what my dad was alluding to right there is I had networked with them. I made a relationship. I formed relationships with them. I'm not here today without forming relationships with scouts I met along the way to be able to learn from them improve my scouting reports because that's one other thing that I wasn't able to squeeze in is I would send out scouting reports and say, hey, how could I get better? You know, this is what I have on this player. I'm not asking for what you believe your opinion is on the player. I, I want to just know how my report could look better because I'm still convicted in what I saw, but you know, can you help me out? And eventually all those contacts led to me getting hired. And networking doesn't stop once you're hired either, because now, okay, you're with one organization. Well, you're at games. You're not scouting with your own scouting staff, which we are thankful enough to have one of the larger pro scouting staffs in the sport. You're scouting with everyone else. You know, you're coming across the Will Georges at games or John George with the Rangers, you know, great scouts and evaluators who, you know, it's not, you're not gaining anything from a selfish standpoint. You know, if you, form a friendship and because it makes the six, five, six games that you're there fun. Cause you're going to the ballpark and you're not just sitting there quiet, looking at your own iPad or paper notes while, you know, watching the game, you you're able to talk the game and BP and everything else. And eventually, you know, it's just a small world. You never know these names that who will come back and help you out along the way. So networking is key for me. Um, in terms of work ethic, and, and really one other part of that before work ethic is making sure you actually want to do what you're trying to get into. Uh, I know that it seems amazing and it's eye-opening, oh, sports, all this and that. Well, this is an absolute grind. And one thing that helped me out is seeing it firsthand with my dad's work ethic of being one of the first writers at the field and one of the last to leave. And it really resonated with me. My college years, I was able to, um, from I believe 15 to 17, three seasons, I averaged going to 74 um, Marlins games a year at Marlins Park as a season ticket holder. Well, it made no sense to drive myself. So I was like, okay, whenever I get out of school, I'd drive back and I'd ride with my dad to Marlins Park and wait there and uh, eventually I'd be able to get let in through the gate for batting practice, but post game, I had to wait there until he was done writing. So I was at the field, essentially the length of time that I am as a scout of, you know, you're at the game, you're at the ballpark all day. And if you're not at the ballpark, you're writing reports in the hotel room. So that was able to teach me patience and just, you know, getting that experience of not being in your home or playing video games or anything else. So it's a commitment. And so many get into this and, and they do love the game. There's a passion, but it's a lot different when passion becomes work. And 
you know, it, it takes a strong work ethic to a gain the respect from your teammates who will help you out and B to get better. Because even if you, you know, whatever you get into, if you aren't, no one's expecting you to be great off the bat. It's, you know, different than a player where, okay, you have to come up, you have to perform. There's an expectation that younger evaluators are going to struggle. But when you show that you're going to work hard, call your teammates or text your teammates trying to get better, seeking knowledge, people will help you out. And I feel like those who are unfortunately able to, aren't able to succeed long-term probably didn't work hard enough. And so that is very important and not to be overlooked. Yeah. Great, great answer. That's complete. I appreciate that, Jacob. That's we, you know, we talked to a, a wide spectrum of ages here. So I think your, your presence today, it's a, it's a great way to cap off the year too. It, it resonates with a lot of different age brackets, vocations, uh, and, and you're very clear with your message. So Somebody taught you to write, but somebody else taught you how to speak very well. So don't don't discredit yourself there. You're a good communicator both ways. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, as we're kind of winding this down, um, yeah, it's uh, you see why we are real voices of the game, and I feel that you know our family and Jacob certainly makes me makes me proud that you know we we're a baseball family. You know, I've been doing this a long time, and. Uh, you know, it's remember taking Jacob to games when he was just a you know small child, and you know he just saw the game differently. He always, to me, was like a mini big leaguer there. I mean, here's a kid who never left the house without putting a baseball cap on, you know, up until till through high school, um, and you know, and then to have it work out. But I think uh, for our listeners, you'll see that you know Jacob is an example too that you can. This is what happens when you when you uh, believe in yourself, when you bet on yourself. And Jacob certainly wasn't bashful about doing that. But I think almost in closing, Jacob, did you have a, a message you want to give to, to people on a personal note? I, I did. But uh, before that, David brought up something that kind of resonated with me. Recently, I'd been listening to a podcast and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was on it. And he was talking about uh, or the, the host was talking about the book that he had written. And he wanted to bring up the uh, comment of uh, in the book somewhere Arnold had mentioned, uh, you could call me whatever, but don't ever call me a self-made man. And his reasoning for that was very interesting. It was, you know, essentially there are so many people along the way who helped me get to where I was, where I ended up being and, and was. Um, and it was his humble way of giving thanks to that. And essentially there is no such thing as a self-made person. Um, I feel extremely the same way in the sense of people probably can look at the last name and assume a nepotism type of hire, but uh, you know, people can believe whatever they want. Personally, I know the work that I had to do to get in. Um, but I, by no means will apologize for having a dad in the sport because, you know, it's, it's helped me create a passion for the sport and know people within the sport. And, you know, you have been a tremendous help for me, um, getting to where I wanted to be and everyone who has helped me along the way has, and everyone on my scouting staff and guys like Chris Carmanucci and Rob Leary, who you've had on the podcast, all of those people have, have helped me out. And, you know, that's 
people who seek knowledge are the ones who are going to be able to be knowledgeable by the time they age and are in a position of that. And that's just something I'm hopeful, hopeful I'll get to be and hopeful that the sport keeps, you know, employing all of us. And it's amazing just being able to work in baseball and, you know, you look up this year and, you know, you start off in Biloxi, Mississippi and you end it, you know, three wins away from winning a world series. And it's like, you know, it's just, it's a wow moment. Um, to your question there, um, I did want to just bring up young people and people of all ages. Um, this year I dealt with a couple of skin cancer scares, um, ended up having a basal cell on my left side of my forehead, have about a two inch scar and then some precancerous stuff as well. This industry, anyone who is outside, protect your skin. Um, do not overlook that. Um, titanium or zinc based sunscreens definitely take advantage of kids, especially like I grew up in South Florida. I live in Arizona now, like I'm in the sun all the time and it doesn't just start from being an adult. When you're at the baseball field, parents, kids, you know, I know it's annoying and it might be stupid, but take care of yourself and make sure to put sunscreen on. Cause you know, I'm 28 and dealing with this. It's like, that's not any fun. It's a little concerning, but it's something where you take the proper precautions and you'll set yourself up well for just being healthy. Yeah. Dave, jump in. No, I, I uh, sounds like a potential new sponsor though, Jacob, you, you inadvertently got my, my mind working on that. So we try to get, we try to take care of groups and partners that are in and around baseball. So, my mind will be working during the break to see if we can connect with a group and continue that message on. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing well with that. Um, we've kept you for almost an hour. Joe, you got final, final question? No, yeah, I, I think um, unless Jake, by any last things in closing, but I think that was a good message on with the, with the take care of yourself. I think that was a good way to, to sign this out uh, again. You know, I want to thank um, Dave D'Agostino, uh, Dave. Thanks for all, you know, for an amazing year. The growth that we've done at this channel has just been remarkable. And 2024 is going to be even better. Thanks to all the hosts that we have. Thanks primarily to our audience, which keeps believing in us and is growing along with us. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think it was fitting, you know, to keep it in the family for the, uh, the final episode of 2023. It's great to have my son on. Uh, I learned some stuff about him. I wasn't aware of either, you know, it's a uh, beauty of the podcast, but, um, I think his message and his story is something that should kind of enlighten. And for, you know, at times I think we, we think the, the game's headed in a wrong direction or in a bad direction, but then you see, and it's not just Jacob, but there are a lot of good, good young people in the sport that are going to lead this sport forward. It, the sport always seems to survive, but Jacob, thanks so much for, for being our guest. Dave, thanks so much for all you do. Audience, thanks for, for tuning in. This is going to close out 2023 for Man on Second. We'll be back in 2024, even better and stronger. Until then, happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas. Uh, Joe for sale, Man on Second, and we are out of here. On the human, a rump, a bum, bum. When we come.